it's the number one threat because it's going to be in every single country. You can't escape it. And um, you won't be able to buy or sell it. I mean, they're going to get rid of cash. And then you literally, if, if, if you commit a thought crime, I mean, you have to be ideologically aligned with the regime. So whether it's you don't wear masks, you don't you don't follow the Corona or climate narrative or LGBT or war, you know, and the list is going to get longer. Uh, they'll just shut you off. You're listening to the Corbett Report. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to the Corbett Report. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com, in a conversation that is being recorded in late August of 2023, and I've got a special treat lined up for you today. A very particular recommendation for people who have not yet checked it out. And that recommendation is to the website slash podcast slash blog slash associated radio show, Geopolitics and Empire at geopoliticsandempire.com. I recommend it uh, because I get a lot out of specifically the podcast, but the associated materials as well. So joining us to talk about Geopolitics and Empire is the founder and host of Geopolitics and Empire. And I will confess, I have spent days, if not weeks, fretting about this interview because I knew there would come a point in it in which I would have to pronounce your name. But then it occurred to me, why don't I just get you to pronounce it for us, uh, Mr. Morich? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really easy. You know, hervoye. Hervoye. So you're rolling R's already, so already it's going to be Hrvoye. <laughs> uh, okay, you'll forgive my Anglophone ignorance, but I just didn't grow up with a lot of Croats, so I don't have a lot of uh, experience with that name. Although I do find it absolutely fascinating how even Anglophones have an incredibly difficult time pronouncing my name, which doesn't seem that particularly difficult, but you would be surprised how many people pronounce it like James Corbett, <laughs> as if I am Croat or something. I don't know. Anyway, all right. Uh, well, now that silliness is out of the way. Uh, it's good to have you on. And as I say, I have been listening to Geopolitics and Empire for a couple of years now. I do not recall, so please don't ask. I really don't remember how I first came across uh, your podcast specifically, but um, I'm glad I did. Um, specifically, and let me say why I recommend this podcast, it is because I don't always agree with what your guests are saying. You bring on a lot of guests from a lot of different perspectives, including a lot of guests that I don't hear making the rounds in a lot of other alt-media places, and I appreciate that because as someone who does this, I do try to bring on new voices and get people introduced to new things, but I know it's very easy to fall into the trap of just talking to the same people that everyone's already heard before. You do not do that, and I do appreciate that. So let's set, set the table for this conversation. Tell people what geopolitics and empire is, and then let's talk a little bit about how you came to start it. Yeah, I mean, the, the way it basically started, by the way, I've seen you picking up, you know, what I try to do is get uh, guests uh, that I've never, never heard of. You know, early on, I've interviewed like Riley Wagaman uh, and then Roloslavsky, uh, and then, you know, a lot of people, then, you know, they're going on other programs so basically geopolitics and empire was born let's say around 2012 so i came to mexico 2010 to teach at the tecnologico de monterrey which in hindsight i'm realizing now the tech de monterrey is the top uh, high school university in all of mexico where the millionaires send their kids and then I, i've discovered that it's, it's officially linked to the world economic forum and it's the only university in all of latin america that, that actually goes attends uh, uh, Davos, and so 
um, somewhere in, in, in the early, you know, 2010s, I, I just, I wanted to talk about these subjects with people, you know, and most people are, are mediocre, you know, it's a sad truth, but, uh, I was trying to talk to my, uh, coworkers, I was teaching history, economics, politics, and no one really, you know, they, they, they just clock in nine to five and go home. And I'm like, I, I want to talk about what's really happening in Syria and, and the great reset and all this. And nobody cares. So uh, my, my trick was, hey, why don't I invite the people that I want to talk to into my classroom, Skype them in, uh, and then record that and then throw it up on YouTube. So that, that's like a great pretext for me to get to talk to some of these people. And then, you, you know, and, and this is just encouragement for people out there. Just try it and be persistent. You just never know what's going to happen. And so early on, I'm getting like uh, Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, you know, Ray McGovern, retired CIA, uh, James Bamford. Or Christopher Moncton, you know, all these all these sorts of people. And then by 2015, 2016, initially I called it because I was flying by the seat of my pants. Uh, it was called Guadalajara Geopolitics uh, Institutes. And then 2015, I kind of really branded it Geopolitics and Empire because that's kind of my, my themes are like uh, empire, world government. Basically, for me, empire is the synonym for world government, which is my focus in globalism. And geopolitics is more like the science of of, of politics, you know, which includes for me demographics technocracy economics cultural warfare and all of that so uh yeah that's pretty much how i got started awesome well tell us a little bit more about your own personal background i know you've had some interesting experiences in the peace corps and in uh, various locations around the world tell us about that yeah so i'm i I got three passports i'm pretty diversified now i was born in chicago uh, but my parents were croatian immigrants And, and by the way my my name literally transliterates as croat so it literally means uh, Croatian. So um, I was raised between both worlds. So uh, we, we spent many months every year going to Croatia and then back to the U.S. And then I went to school some years in Croatia, back and forth, back and forth. And then uh, I eventually decided once I learned about, once I fell down the rabbit hole, right? Uh, you know, 9-11, Federal Reserve, all that stuff. I learned America was an empire. That was a shock for me. And by the way, I mean, you've been listening. You said to g for a couple of years. I've been listening to you for probably like since you started. So um, I, I just decided to permanently expatriate from the U.S. And my ticket out was uh, Peace Corps Mongolia. So I finished my bachelor's in history education. And I'm like, I'm looking around. How do I get out of the empire and my ticket was JFK's Peace Corps to Mongolia. I fell in love with Mongolia because of this great documentary called um, Genghis Blues. People can check it out. Uh, and yeah, I was in Mongolia, lived in the yurt. Um, I, I left early uh, and then um, came back for a while and just read a lot of books uh, and then decided to go do my master's in Geneva at the Geneva School of Diplomacy. And then there I studied under folks like uh, Saddam Hussein's defense lawyer, um, Alfred Zayas, um, uh, Yasser Arafat's uh, brother-in-law, people like this. And so w- once I finished, I was like, um, the world is my oyster. And I was applying for jobs. I want to go anywhere. Alaska, uh, Afghanistan, back to Mongolia, Saudi Arabia, and Mexico came up and they accepted me and, you know, the rest is history. Excellent. And how long have you been in Mexico now? 2010, I became a citizen in 2018. Uh, and then from 2017, that, that, you know, that's another story. I got offered a job to teach in Kazakhstan. So for, for th- four years, I was teaching, for four years, I was teaching at Nazarbayev's. Technically, Nur Sultan Nazarbayev was my employer, uh, technically. <laughs> I, I'm assuming you didn't have a lot of close collaboration with him, though. <laughs> no, no, it's just really one way with him. Just but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but you did meet Gorbachev? 
Oh, right. Yeah. And so 20, uh, right before I left for Kazakhstan, I, I went with uh, Sharon Tennyson. She's great. She's got the Center for Citizens Initiatives. She's been doing uh, U.S.-Russia peace diplomacy since the 80s. And I, yeah, I wanted to take part in that trip three uh, for three weeks. Uh, I went with um, Rick Sterling. Actually, the, the year before that, Ray McGovern had gone on the trip the year before that. And um, we got to meet uh, Gorbachev for two hours at his foundation in Moscow, uh, Vladimir Posner, who's a well-known figure, and, and um, others. And, and, you know, it's a funny fact, though, because um, for my graduation in 2009 in Geneva, the honorary um, doctorate was for Gorbachev. And he was supposed to come to my graduation, um, but he was, uh, I guess, for medical reasons, he couldn't. So I, I, I found him uh, in, in Moscow. So, yeah, I, I've, I've met interesting people. I met Ron Paul recently uh, in Texas. I'm gonna, Actually, next week, I'm going to see him again. Uh, and then, you know, just uh, along the way, you know, I've, I've had, you know, G. Edward Griffin that everyone knows. Um, I had the honor of him taking me out to lunch in 2011 because I was a volunteer uh, for his info, info, unfiltered news for a while. So that was sort of his way of paying me back. Wow. And I note on your about page, your bio page on geopoliticsandempire.com that you have uh, pictures, for example, hanging out at the World Health Assembly in 2009 during the swine flu pandemic. You also have a picture of a conference across from the UN Geneva with occult pyramid microphones, which uh, for people who are listening to this conversation, I suggest you go and take a look at that picture because <laughs> that, that yeah, that seems pretty occultish. And uh, there it is. <laughs> Just wow. the story on that. So while I was in Geneva, I was a staff assistant for the Czech Republic uh, mission to the um, EU. Was it? No, UN. And that's why I was at the World Health uh, Assembly. And right across, you've got the office of Lutz's Trust. I'm sure you're familiar with Lutz's Trust. So I attended one of their meetings. You know, I, I don't want to be like with all my friends and family, this wacky cons you know, conspiracy theorist who, you know, reads stuff off of forums. I'm like, no, I went to their meeting. I've, I've got the pamphlet somewhere in the pamphlet from 2009. It talks about uh, Satan being Prometheus and bringing fire, you know, from from heaven to to man. And so and, and then in that conference building, all of the speakers, as you can see, are, are pyramids. You know, what a coincidence. And then when they turn on the, the, the top of the part turns red. It's just it's crazy. <laughs> That yeah, that doesn't surprise me, but it is crazy to see that that uh, photographic evidence. Well, with a with a bio and a background like this, you know that people in these circles must uh, already have flags and hackles going up. Who is this guy? How do we know he's not one of them? Tell us a little bit about your your philosophy when it comes to this type of uh, information. Well, I mean, my my I'm, I'm not uh, shy about it. I'm just my view is biblical. I'm a, I'm a Christian, and so yeah, I, I I basically like a non-denominational Christian. So my view, people can extrapolate. It's it's you know conservative Christian uh, worldview, and so I, I lean a lot on prophecy as well. That that's where I get my focus on you know world government and and the beast system, right? What we're seeing now, the whole digital ID and and. Uh, CBDCs, and so th that's sort of my philosophy, uh, and then people can just kind of extrapolate uh, from there. But I, I'm basically anti anti globalist, right? Anti empire uh, for small government. Um, it's funny. The other day, I got an email from my TNT radio show. Someone says, "Are you a voluntarist uh, anarchist like James Corbett?" <laughs> so that was that was pretty funny. They actually they asked me that. So I'm not quite an anarchist or or um, let's say libertarian, but I'm libertarian-ish. You know, I like the majority of the principles of voluntarism and, and libertarianism and, and, and stuff like that. But I don't have qualms with, you know, having a small, small government, you know. Well, as I alluded to earlier, one of the things that I like about your podcast is that, yeah, you, you have your views and you have your own perspective on this. But you certainly don't let it 
um, commandeer the conversations that you have. And as I say, you talk to a lot of different people with a lot of different perspectives, some of them quite uh, controversial within the alternative media circles, um, mainstream normie types, as well as people more on the fringe, however you would define that. So um, I I'm assuming that's... that. Well, I don't know, but I'm assuming there is some sort of um, deliberate um, thing that you do to sort of not inject your opinion on the guests. You let them talk. Um, correct me if I'm wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can... That's part of my personality. Part of it is, you know, diplomacy, having studied a general school of uh, diplomacy. And my, you know, initially my name, I didn't even put my name on my website. It was just Geopolitics and Empire. And people were just, uh, like, annoying me. With, well, what's your name? Who you are? And then I realized, okay, you got to kind of let people know who you are. Um, and because it wasn't about me. It's about the, the guest, the expert. And I want to get their, like, memory dump, right? Their, their data dump. You know, I, I've got guests on... I'll give an example. You know, Eve Angler, the Montreal activist, um, left left wing guy. Um, and again, it's like like you say, I don't I don't agree with everything uh, my guests say. Sometimes it can be I, I agree very little, you know, and I never know what they're going to say. But I, I'm on point with Eve when it comes to anti war and and um, imperialism and all that stuff. But then during one of our interviews, he mentions climate change. Like, you know, he believes, and I'm like I. I, I, I didn't feel there was a point for me to really, why should I, I don't like to debate, you know, that, that, that's the thing. I'm not much of a debater. So I'm like, uh, I just kind of ignored it and, and let's, let's get back to the empire uh, stuff. And so, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I can appreciate that. It, it depends on what the point of a given conversation is. And if the point is to debate climate change, then yes, get into it. But if the point is to talk about the war or what have you, I've talked to Eve Engler myself. And yeah, I, again, I, I didn't talk about climate change because I'm not interested in his view in climate change. And it's not unlikely to convince me or the audience. Um, but it, it, it's a good point and well taken. And uh, let's talk about some of the is issues that you cover. Um, because, for example, one that constantly comes up in your conversations is the concept of the digital ghetto, as you call it, the digital gulag, as I, as I refer to it. Um, of course, as our listeners know all too well by now, this idea of the, the bars of the digital prison going in around us, the digital IDs, the vaccine passports, the CBDCs, etc. Uh, why is that uh, such a pressing, pressing issue for you? Why does it come up in so many of your conversations? Well, I, you know, I, you asked me before the interview, you know, so, some seminal interviews uh, that I feel I've, I've had, you know, I did, I did the Francis Boyle one in 2020 that, that, that really blew up. Um, but for me, one of my favorites was in June of 2020 when I interviewed Edwin Black, right, the Jewish historian. And um, he, he, I'm using his term. His is my favorite uh, out of all, all of the different options and algorithm ghetto, right, which he compares it to the physical Jewish ghetto, and he, and and I, for me, he's like a very serious guy, uh, and, and um, I just I just like the work that he does, and um, I, I just you know a lot of us have felt this, some to a greater extent, and, and you know last year, two years ago, I was um, banned from Patreon. I'm I mean you've you've done, you've gone more uh, felt it more worse than I have, but last year I was uh, also banned from PayPal and then I discovered it was the Department of Homeland Security when the documents came out from Mike Benz and his foundation and elsewhere where you, where you learn about DHS and CISA and how that all works and then it was basically DHS telling PayPal, hey, ban this guy for life and I'm like, and then that goes back to my, you know, biblical perspective with the Mark of the Beast system where you can't buy or sell and for me, basically, the, the whole CBDC digital ID system is the beast system where 
and I, for, for me, this is like the number one thing because I, I feel like it's the number one threat because it's going to be in every single country. You can't escape it. And um, you won't be able to buy or sell it. I mean, they're going to get rid of cash. And then you literally, if, if, if you commit a thought crime, I mean, you have to be ideologically aligned with the regime. So whether it's you don't wear masks, you don't you don't follow the Corona or climate narrative or LGBT or war, you know, and the list is going to get longer. Uh, they'll just shut you off. And then you, you, you and, and then I can see the infrastructure being built out here in Mexico. We, we all see it everywhere. They're, they're building out public transport. They're slowly going to try to get rid of cars. Uh, and so you won't be able to travel, work, eat, uh, none of that. And so that, that's why for me, that's the biggest, um, you know, the most uh, imminent threat. So on the white pill, black pill spectrum, what shade of gray would you say that you are at this point? No, I, I'm, I'm, see, this is where it gets a bit complicated with a lot of uh, alternative media folks. Uh, you have to put then uh, put us in different categories. And so if, if you look at it from a material plane, I'm, I'm black pilled. Um, but people kind of, uh, they'll, they'll complain about my black pilledness, but in reality, I'm white pilled. My white pill is Jesus Christ, right? So it's like in, in this earth, I feel like it's going to be black pilled, right? The whole tribulation is just going to get worse and worse. And my approach is more like uh, trying to ride the storm out, you know, preparing to go through the fire. Uh, and then, so I, I, I am black pilled, but I'm also white pilled. But then, you know, there are people in alternative media who don't believe in Jesus or Christ. And then for them, I'm purely black pilled. So I think there has to be that nuance where I ultimately am white pilled. It's just people don't, some people don't accept my white pill. So, you know, to, to each their, their own. All right. Well, I, I've been concentrating on, on the podcast because, as I say, I've been listening to that for a couple of years now and getting a lot of uh, interesting perspectives from it. But uh, it's not all you do. You have articles. You have a radio show as well. Tell people about some of the other work you're doing. Yeah. So I've, I've been doing the podcast and then um, I, uh, a while back I decided, you know, why not um, try to find people to write for me? You know, like what Ryan Christian does uh, at Alas American Vagabond and other uh, other outlets, and so uh, you know, I've, I picked up Nikola Mikovic out in Serbia, Jose Nino down in Texas, Ian Davis, who just published uh, for me on occasion, and so uh, you know that, that that comes out of my budget. And then I, I got offered a, uh, back in Mar a year and a half ago, March twenty twenty two, um, TNT offered me a gig. I guess they saw my podcast um, work, and they're like, "Hey, let's this guy's and he thinks like us," you know. And so I've been riding the TNT ra radio wave. Uh, ever since and so i, I think soon we're going to go to we, we might go to video too so uh things are you know keep keep moving advancing in the tnt radio world awesome and i guess geopolitics and empire.com is probably the best link to give people are there any other places that you would direct them if they're interested in checking out your work no that's the best place and then i, I just switched my membership to um um substack which i, I haven't started developing yet but I, i've been pleasantly surprised to see people already becoming free and uh paid uh, subscribers and and I thought I I th throw in one one more theme uh, the the multi the whole BRICS multipolarity thing I think we've talked about this before uh, but I think that's also an important th theme where I don't um uh, yeah I, I think you you've seen some of the same people that we talked to like Riley and Rolo and you should you should probably have Yuri Roshka on the Moldovan uh, a politician where you know he's been speaking out against this and uh, basically a lot of people coming to the same conclusion that it's 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 the other side of the same same coin so anyways yeah ge geopolitics and empire.com and then uh, i'm i'm very active on the geopolitics and empire telegram uh and, and twitter 
Uh, I, I, I've seen your perspectives on like mines. You're like, give me a good reason to go on mines. Uh, I still, I still have my accounts open there and I po- try to po- uh, publish most of my podcasts on Gab, MeWe, Mines, uh, Float, I think just went defunct. So, uh, yeah. Unfortunate, but th- this is the way it goes when we're trying to create alternative structures. It's certainly not a straight and easy path. Um, by the way, yeah, how is the deplatforming from PayPal and Patreon going? That's quite a double whammy and probably makes it a lot more difficult for people to support you. How do people support you at this point? No, it's it's still fine because I still got Stripe. Uh, and so, you know, you, you find alternatives like DonorBox, uh, which goes to Stripe or Substack goes to Stripe. Um, I still have Subscribestar. Um, yeah, the, the options are getting less and less. But I, then I get worried when I hear about, like, you know, Canadian military veteran Jeremy McKenzie. Um, in January this year, Scotia Bank closes account, and I'm like, one of my banks in here in Mexico is Scotia Bank, you know, <laughs> or Maria Zadich out in Australia. I heard she got her bank account closed, so it's just like I feel like you know that's that's soon uh, Nigel Farage, right? And so, yeah, these are not uh, just theoretical issues that might affect us someday in some far distant future. This is. This is coming. This is why we are talking about it. And I'm, as I say, I'm glad that you are out there talking about it. I just really wanted to direct people's uh, attention to your podcast, your website, so that people who haven't heard about it might check it out. Um, as I say, there's a lot of different perspectives from a lot of different guests, and I think it's a valuable resource to have out there. So uh, I salute you and what you're doing. Um, I think we're going to leave it there for today. Thank you so much for your time. It was a privilege to be on the Corbett Report.